This is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Well, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. We're so glad that you could join us online for this uh, Thanksgiving weekend service. Um, Good to have you with us today. We're thankful. We want to express our gratitude for God's goodness and faithfulness to us along the way. Many of you, I know that many of you uh, at home are facing challenges with your health or employment these days. Maybe you can't be with your family because of travel restrictions or COVID-19 protocols. But we want to express our thanksgiving to God regardless of the circumstances. He is good, and He's good all the time. Let's take a moment and pray together, shall we, as we begin the message this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we worship You today for the incalculable ways that You demonstrate Your love and care for us. On this Thanksgiving weekend, Lord, we stop to give thanks uh, for many of your benefits that are ours through your sovereign grace, through your inexhaustible mercy, and through your boundless generosity. Lord, we're so grateful for the forgiveness for all of our sins. You have forgiven all of our sins, past, present, and future, through the work of Jesus. And we thank you for your lavish love. We're grateful, Lord, for the fellowship uh, of our church family, for the privilege of worshiping you uh, together today, for the opportunity to come to you in prayer, for the joy of serving you in our church and in our community and even in our homes. And we thank you for the satisfaction that is ours as we follow Jesus by faith. Lord, in your presence is the fullness of joy, and for that we're thankful today. We're thankful that we can be in your presence in this very moment. In the powerful and purposeful name of Jesus, we pray together for every family, every person in our church. We pray for divine, physical, and emotional healing where it's needed. We pray for comfort and joy for those who have no comfort or joy today. We pray that you would meet the needs of every heart and every home within our reach. It's our privilege to bow in your presence in thanksgiving and prayer today. Oh, Lord Jesus, what a wonderful Savior you are and what a wonderful salvation you offer to us by faith. We give thanks in the sweet and powerful name of Jesus today. Amen. Well, here at The Gathering, we're in the midst of an expository series of sermons on 2 Timothy. Last Sunday, we examined four words of encouragement found in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 13. Be strong in the grace of Jesus. Be faithful to teach the truth. Share in suffering for the gospel. And remember who the hero is. The main thrust of the next few verses, starting with verse 14, is that we are all commissioned and empowered by God to be faithful teachers of the gospel that we are guarding. We all have a responsibility for the transmission of the gospel to remind people of these strategic uh, uh, imperative gospel truths. Not all of us will stand behind a pulpit and preach or stand in a classroom and teach 
but every one of us is responsible for sharing the Word of God in our sphere of influence, whatever that may be. Parents and grandparents, you can do that at home with your children and your grandchildren. You may do it at work in the lunchroom as you talk with a colleague about her recent cancer diagnosis. You may do it over a cup of coffee at Tim's or Starbucks uh, when the conversation about the U.S. election leads to a, a larger conversation about the magnitude of brokenness in our world today. You are commissioned and empowered by God to be a faithful teacher of God's Word at some level. Remember, Paul said in 2 Timothy 2.2, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Sharing the word of truth with others so that they can teach others who can then teach others. On the news, they talk about COVID-19 super spreaders, the people who spread the virus to so many people. And you and I need to be gospel super spreaders who teach the word of God to as many people as possible. Be strong in the grace of Jesus so that you can teach the truth. And Paul uses three word pictures starting in verse 15 to describe a faithful teacher, a super spreader of God's word. First of all, he or she is like the unashamed worker. Verse 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Ooh. A faithful teacher of God's word at home or in the church is an unashamed worker who is diligent. The unashamed worker is diligent. Verse 15, do your best. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. So the emphasis, I think the emphasis in this paragraph is that the worker needs to be diligent in her work so that she will not be ashamed when her work is inspected by God. The Word of God is a treasure that, that we must guard and protect. It's the soldier's sword and it's the sower's seed. But the Bible is also our very best tool for building, equipping, comforting, repairing, teaching, and training in righteousness the people of God. Furthermore, the unashamed worker is God-centered. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. You and I are working for God. Yes, I, I, I also work for our church. I, I'm paid a salary by our church. But, but like you, I also work for God. You might be paid by Ford or GM or the city of Windsor or a restaurant or office where you work, but, but ultimately you're working for God. In our ministries of teaching or encouraging or serving or administrating or whatever else it is that we do with our spiritual gift, we must remember that we are working for God and for His glory. The God-centered believer often serves the Lord without pay and, and, and without public recognition because they are not serving people. They're serving God. 
The Bible says in Colossians 3.23, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. God-centered workers want to be faithful, not famous or flashy. They want to be faithful. We're here to serve the King of Kings, and His glory is our driving passion. In addition, the unashamed worker is word-driven. 2 Timothy 2.15 again, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. The good workman rightly handles the word of truth. The Greek term for this literally means to cut straight. And it's used in other applications, uh, different tasks, plowing a straight furrow in the field, cutting a straight board, sewing a straight seam. And so the idea is clear. When you rightly handle the word of truth, of God at home or in the church, in your Bible study or your small group, then you are cutting a straight line to the truth. And you are helping people to stay on the straight path according to God's word because you rightly handle the word of truth. So if discipleship, if discipleship is helping others follow Jesus, then rightly handling the word of truth is, is critically important to that task. We have to handle the word of, of God uh, honestly and faithfully, rightly dividing the word of truth, rightly handling the word of truth so that we can lead others to follow Jesus. We can help others follow Jesus. At some level, we're all commissioned and empowered by God to be faithful teachers of the one true gospel. And we need to be diligent, God-centered, Word-driven trainers of truth. Are you with me? Folks at home, watching online, are you with me still? Okay, good. The faithful instructors of God's word are like the unashamed worker, verse 15, and like the clean vessels Paul speaks about in verses 20 to 22. Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, he says, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Admittedly, at first this all sounds a, a, a little bit strange. <laughs> Paul is writing about household utensils, pots and pans and knives and forks, to describe the, the lifestyle and the character of someone who's teaching the word of God, and some are honorable and some are not. Well, if the great house of verse 20 refers to the church, and many Bible scholars and Bible teachers agree that it does, then the honorable vessels of silver and gold represent those who are faithful in teaching and preaching the Word of God, while the dishonorable vessels of wood and clay, wood and clay represent those who are false teachers. That makes sense. And, and then he goes on to talk, he talks about these, these uh, 
false teachers in verses 16 through 18. They are known for their irreverent babble, which leads people into more ungodliness, and their talk spreads like gangrene. There's that awful word picture again. They have swerved from the truth, and they are upsetting the faith of other believers because they are false teachers. And he's talking about false teachers not out there, although they are out there. He's talking about false teachers in the church, in the great house. In the church, there are both honorable and dishonorable vessels. The the distinguishing characteristic between the honorable and dishonorable teachers of God's word seems to be purity. Verse 21, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he'll be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. I think the cleansing in view here is the cleansing of both life and doctrine. To be be an honorable vessel, to be useful to the master, one must pursue Um, pure doctrine and pure living. That makes sense. Verse 22, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So if you're going to be cleansed, if you're going to be an honorable vessel, if you're going to be useful to the master and pursue pure doctrine and pure living, then you've got to flee youthful passions. You've got to run away from from, uh, sinful uh, passions and sexual desires that are ungodly. The word flee in this verse is, is the term fugo, from which we get the term fugitive. So like a fugitive, Paul says, run away from youthful passions. The word pursue, also in verse 22, is the word diako, which means running towards something, or running in the opposite direction. So the idea here, Paul is telling us to run away from youthful passions like a fugitive and run toward righteousness, faith, love, and, and peace as fast and as hard as you can. Run away from this and run toward Jesus as fast as you can. God wants to use you in the work of the kingdom. He wants to use us in building the kingdom of God. But but we need to be ready for every good work. We need to be clean vessels. The condition for usefulness in, in the kingdom of God is not cleverness, but holiness. So how are you doing in that department? We're all commissioned and empowered by God to become faithful teachers of the one true gospel at some level. So we must pursue pure doctrine and pure living. Some will teach from the pulpit. Some will teach in the classroom. But all of us will teach from home, right? Dependable super spreaders of God's word. They are like the unashamed worker. In verses 15 to 19, the clean vessels in verses 20 to 22, and they are also like the Lord's servant that Paul speaks about in verses 23 to 26. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, 
and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Generally speaking, God's servants don't have an easy time teaching the Word of God. Satan opposes us, and he tries to trap the very people that we are hoping to teach. Satan is a liar, and he, he will use every dirty trick in the book to capture weak Christians and lead them astray. And some people are just difficult to teach. They enjoy foolish, ignorant controversies, and, and they, they have very little desire to go deep into the Word and nourish their lives on the Word of God. They would rather, rather sit around and argue about something. How many angels can fit on the head of a pin? Or what day of the week Jesus is coming? They want to argue about those things. How easy it would be just to ignore them or maybe even ask God to vaporize them with fire and brimstone. <laughs> but Paul says the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, patient, and correct people with gentleness. <laughs> Easier said than done, right? But if we do that, God may grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil. That's the desired outcome, isn't it? That's what we want, isn't it? That's what we want for our kids and our grandkids who have somehow, somewhere, sometime gone astray from God's word. That's what we want. We want our friends and our neighbors and our families to, to, to repent of their sin and come to know the Lord. And so, once again, the faithful, loving, patient teaching of God's word and application of God's word is paramount. But who is sufficient for these things? Who among us has the skills and ability to do this? Who has the aptitude and talent, the competence and courage for this? Because faithful teachers, as unashamed workers, must be diligent in Bible study, accurate in Bible teaching and application. They must work hard to keep their listeners on the right path. Faithful teachers as honorable vessels must maintain purity in both life and doctrine if they want to be used by the master they must flee from youthful passions like fugitives and run to Jesus as fast as they can faithful teachers as the Lord's servants must avoid foolish controversies they must gently speak truth to their opponents praying that God would grant them repentance perhaps I mean, who's sufficient for all of this? Who's adequate for this kind of ministry? Right about now you're thinking, not me. I'm not, I'm not sufficient. I'm not adequate for this. I, I could never do this on my own. And you would be right. You would be absolutely right. Because none of us will ever become perfect, faithful Bible teachers. But Jesus is a perfect teacher. And in him, and through him, 
we can live out these exhortations faithfully. Jesus was the ultimate unashamed workman who perfectly taught God's word, you see. And by the sovereign grace of God, Jesus will work through his people. He'll work through us to teach boys and girls and students and adults and seniors how to follow Jesus. Jesus was the ultimate honorable vessel. He was the sinless sacrifice of God, which enabled him to rescue sinners like us and, 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 and feed us the, the bread of heaven. Jesus was the ultimate Lord's servant. He, he said he was gentle and humble in heart so, so we can find rest and come to him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. What a wonderful provision. What, what magnanimous grace that is. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God and in him and through him we might be faithful teachers of God's word. In John 15:5, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jesus is the only person who gives us the power to accomplish our mission of teaching the word of God and sharing the word of God with our family and friends and neighbors. Without him, we can do nothing. (laughs) Not all of us will stand behind a pulpit and preach or stand in a classroom and teach, but every one of us is responsible for sharing the truth of God in our sphere of influence, in our circle of friends. Parents and grandparents, you can do that at home with your kids, your grandkids. Employees, you may do it in the lunchroom as you talk to workmates, sitting out on the patio perhaps. You may do it over a cup of coffee at Tim's or Starbucks when you start talking about the magnitude of brokenness in our world today, but you are commissioned and you are empowered by God to teach, to share, to proclaim, to declare the truth of God's word at some level. In your sphere of influence, God is calling you to share his word. Let's pray together. Father, this morning I I pray first and foremost that your servants will be kept fresh and renewed in the riches of your grace every single day. By the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, we pray that the gospel will be powerfully at work in in our hearts, witnessing to the fact that we are, in fact, the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus, granting every follower of Jesus in, in our church an unprecedented awareness of your presence and kindness, revealing the beauty and love of Jesus every single day, granting us joy and wisdom and and freedom, Lord, in the midst of, of, of multiple challenges and spiritual assaults, and equipping us, all of us, equipping all of us to teach and reach people in our homes and in our church with the inspired, infallible Word of God. Apart from you, we can do nothing. But in you and through you, Lord, we believe that the Holy Spirit will touch people as we share the Word for your honor and glory, and we pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen.